Thanks for tuning in to the Glenridge Church message. Our mission is to love God, love people, and live to change the world. If we can help you in any way at all, feel free to reach out to us on hello at glenridge.org.za. Good morning, Glenridge. It's uh, such a treat to be preaching to you today. Uh, My name's Justin. I'm one of the worship leaders, and we're preaching a series on worship. Uh, And today I'm going to be preaching about diversity in worship. Uh, You might hear this title and think, okay, now diversity is nice to have, but is it really that important? Um, You might think, you know, I enjoy singing songs in other languages. We do that at Glenridge. But I'm not sure it means that much for the kingdom. Well, I hope I can convince you through the Holy Spirit today of three things. First, diversity in our worship is central, not peripheral. Second, it happens on a Sunday, but needs to take root in our hearts and daily lives. Third, it's critical for our future. So it's central, not peripheral, needs to take root in our daily lives, and it's critical for our future. Let's dive in. The passage I want to read with you today is Revelation chapter 5. So if you've got your Bible there at home, um, I'm sure it'll pop up on the screen, but you can open to chapter 5 of the book of Revelation. Uh, I'm going to read it from the NLT. Then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. There was writing on the inside and the outside of the scroll, and it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals on the scroll and open it? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Then I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, Stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered, but it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which represent the sevenfold spirit of God that is sent out into every part of the earth. He stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. And when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they held gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song with these words. You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language, and people, and nation. And you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked again, and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne, and of the living beings and the elders, and they sang in a mighty chorus. Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength, and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea. They sang, Blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living beings said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped the Lamb. 
this is an amazing passage of, of worship in Scripture. Uh, maybe I should stop preaching right there. Uh, preach over, game over. Uh, but if we had more time, uh, I actually would have started reading from chapter 4. Uh, it starts with that incredible scene, I'm sure you've heard of it, of the throne in heaven with millions of angels, um, of the 24 elders, worshiping God. And they're circling around the throne. The angels are circling around the throne and they're crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. If this is what's being sung in heaven, I can't help but ask, what are we singing about on Sunday? In our life groups, maybe in our car, on the way to church, or on the way to work, in our devotions. I'm going to be really honest with you. Too often we're singing about ourselves. So I know we live in a Facebook culture, uh, but honestly, I've, I've had enough of me. You know, the joy of self-forgetfulness in his presence. Friends, that we don't have to be the be-all and the end-all, that we've got someone, somebody who is the be-all and the end-all, or the joy of singing about him. Can I be even more provocative? Stan, I think it's too late. You've given me the pulpit. (laughs) Too often we're singing about our miracles or our circumstances. Glenridge, we all want breakthrough. But knowing God is far greater and far more important and far more profound. When we walk through the valley of the shadow of death and still we praise him, for he is our very great reward. You up for another one? Too often we are singing about our experiences, our experiences of his presence. But worship is not primarily about our feelings. Whether I feel everything on a Sunday or whether I feel nothing, who he is in my life and the truth of our amazing God does not change. Even today, I'm preaching on diversity in our worship. But diversity happens in our hearts and our lives when we experience and see an all-loving and saving God. Friends, worship can go many places. And in Glenridge, we do a great job of making it go into those places. But I pray that it always starts and it ends with a vision of Jesus. And that's what we find here in this this text in Revelations 4 and 5. Okay, getting back onto topic, diversity in our worship. So we have this amazing scene in Revelation chapter 4 of the throne of heaven. And then it switches through to chapter 5. And this scene is, is really the scene about Jesus. The cries going out, who is worthy to open the scrolls, the scrolls? And this is representing God's purposes for the earth. And we see in this, this passage that John starts to weep. John who's having this vision. And it even says that he's weeping bitterly. Because there's no one. There's no earthly solution for the mess of our lives and of our planet, and of our earth. But thankfully, the vision doesn't stop, because there is one who's worthy. Look, says one of the 24 elders to John, and he sees a picture of the Lion of Judah. It's obviously representing God's authority, and the slaughtered lamb representing his mercy and his grace, both which are needed to fulfill God's plans and purposes on this earth. I hope you sitting there in your, your, your lounge today have experienced the lion and the lamb in your life. 
I feel prophetically that there's some of you out there who, who need to have a fresh vision of this again. The lion, full of authority and power, God in control, in control of every detail of our lives. He knows every one of us, knows the time, the place, the plans. There's no bad circumstance that he doesn't know about, that he can't change just with a snap of his fingers. But also the lamb, that he cares and that he loves for us and that he went all the way for us to the cross. He uses all that authority and control to love us and to save us. And his blood washes us clean. I hope you notice that we, we don't feature in that vision. It's his authority that's working out his plans and purposes in our lives, not my authority. And it's his grace bringing us and bringing me into the presence of God, not my clean hands. Friends, let this vision of Jesus fill you with faith for what God wants to do. Friends, all we need to do is say yes to the lion and the lamb. Say yes to Jesus' authority and, and Jesus' grace to fulfill it. So the scene carries on and uh, all, he all heaven starts singing a new song. And they start singing, you are worthy, Jesus, because you purchased a people with your blood. And at the apex of the scene, have you noticed something? It says from every tribe and language and people and nation. Think about that. Can you see diversity at the heart of worship? The heart of our gospel is a God who loves to save. And our faith from the very beginning and our worship was always designed and intended to be inclusive, not exclusive. It's for me and my family, but also for, for the households and families on my street. It's for those living here in this, the CBD at Glenridge, uh, in the Glenridge area, but also those out in the suburbs. It's for people living in uh, the suburban core like Berea or Musgrave, but also further out in the townships. It's for the luxury townhouse in Mount Edgecombe and for the family in an informal settlement. It's every tribe, people, nation in our city. It's every language. So why do we sometimes sing in other languages? Well, look to the left and the right of you uh, with, your virtual, <laughs> with your virtual eyes today. I hope you'll notice that we're not all just one skin color. We are not just all one culture. We don't all come from the same background, the same place. We aren't just one language. Tell me, how can our worship be only exclusively in English when 90% of our, of our country speaks another mother tongue? We've got a God who has come to seek and save. And that means our worship is for every tribe and language. Prophetically, I'm feeling stirred up today that God wants to release some of us, and all of us, to be translators. So the most practical aspect of, of this is obviously translating the gospel uh, into other languages. But it's much, it's much, much more than that. I just have to think about people in my community. I'll, I'll pick on someone in my home group. 
like uh, Mandy Arnold. Mandy couldn't be more different from me. She's older, okay, just a little bit older. Um, always glamorous. Uh, you know, I, I used to wear my shirts inside out until I got married. <laughs> she's full of fun. Um, she's artistic, creative, a designer. Friends, I can never meet, reach the people that Mandy can reach. I, 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 I'm not even there in the flesh to do it, do it even if I could. Friends, God has placed every one of you, every one of us in this church, Glenridge, and he's calling us to be translators, to translate his gospel into the language that people around of us, around us can see, can hear, can understand. When the love of God is in our hearts, when the worship of God gets in our hearts, I believe it's one in which we desire and do everything in our power to try and get it and bring it to others. And that means diversity. Some of us have really uh, radical testimonies. Uh, and I love listening to those, those testimonies. Uh, people being saved out of drugs or alcohol, lust, promiscuity, you know, just a hectic past. But many of us have more ordinary testimonies. But I want to say that your story is radical too. And it's radical because there are other people out there who can see themselves in your shoes. Getting back to the scene in, in Revelations, uh, Revelation 5, I want to ask another question, and that is, what is our mental picture of worship in heaven? I must say, in working through this, this preach, this is one thing that, that really struck me, and I, and I realized that subconsciously, when I thought of worship in heaven, I suppose I thought of, of maybe like a Bethel concert, <laughs> with us all singing the same song over and over again. Um, but we need to change that mindset. Actually, what we see in Revelation 5 is, is a people from every tribe and nation and language. And at the heart of it, God is not one-dimensional. Our God is, is manifold. Our God is uh, wondrous. Our God is huge. Our God is um, the opposite of, of one. He's, he's everything. And so how can our worship ever be one-dimensional? In sound, in color, in texture, in language, in style. Now, I think when we get together as a congregation, obviously we need to be practical um, about it. So I love jazz, and it would be great to just have one long, unending jazz solo, solo as part of our worship. But uh, uh, for obvious reasons, uh, there's a limit to what we can do. But I think there's a lot of room to expand on our current box. If our box is like here at the moment, Glenridge, I believe God wants to expand that box to worship him in, in just a, a biggerness and a bigness uh, in, in terms of, of all of our gifts. Can we worship him more in dance? How amazing is it when someone talented and skillful in that dances before the Lord? Can we worship him more with painting and sketching? We saw that in the, uh, at, the, at the leader's time and how powerful uh, those prophetic uh, pictures were. Can we worship him with more with different instruments, not just the electric guitar, but you know, maybe it's the saxophone or the trumpet? Psalm 19 verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies above proclaim his handiwork. Day after day it pours out speech. Night after night reveals 
um, knowledge. God wants to use our lives to pour forth worship in a diverse and a beautiful way uh, on a Sunday. So I hope I've convinced you of my first point that worship is uh, that diversity in our worship is not something peripheral. It's actually central, and it's essential to our saving God, and ma- and uh, and central in magnifying our manifold God. But let me try and take it a bit more, uh, make it a bit more practical. What does diversity mean for our daily lives? Recently, I've been reading through the book of Acts, um, and in Acts 22 is the story of Paul after his missionary trips, uh, where he's had a very successful ministry time, starting churches like uh, in Ephesians, and Thessalonica, in Philippi, um, and, and he's heading back to, to Jerusalem to report about all that God has done. And people are warning him, the Holy Spirit's warning him to say there's persecution awaits you there, Paul. And so Paul eventually does get to Jerusalem. And of course, a mob get a hold of him and a Roman general has to take control. Um, And in the midst of all of this, um, you know, the crowd is right on the edge. Paul starts to address them. And he starts by giving his testimony. And it's a dramatic testimony. We know the story of Paul in Acts, um, how he struck blind and has a vision of the risen Christ, of Jesus, alive in the flesh. But do you know what sets the crowd into an uproar? Because he's not able to, to finish his, his message. They, you know, the crowd starts going, going ballistic. Interestingly, it's not actually when Paul's telling about this vision of, of the risen Christ. Do you know what it is that sets them ablaze? It's, it's, this, it's the words, um, it's the commission of Paul from Jesus. It says this in Acts 22, verse 21. Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. It was the thought of letting non-Jewish outsiders in that really made the crowd mad. That really set people against Paul. You know, there's something in our hearts that loves to lock others out. We love to look down on others. Um, and we serve an inclusive God, but humanity and the sin in our lives is that we actually love to be exclusive. The academic language for it is a term called othering, where we look down our noses at people who, who we define as different and often substandard from ourselves. It's where you're at a, at a braai, you're having conversation with friends, and people start to talk about them. Friends, I believe some of us do need to repent for the unloving and judgmental stereotypes that are in our hearts. You know, I've been in church a long time, um, and so it's not often that I hear a, a sermon that's new or hear a sermon for the first time. Do you know when was the first time it was that I heard someone preach explicitly on the sin of racism and prejudice. It was actually only a couple of years ago by Stan, and we live in South Africa. I'm going to get raw with you. Some of us think and talk like skin color explains behavior, as if a particular group of people are predetermined to behave in a certain way, and that's usually defined in, in a bad way. Friends, how dare we carry prejudices towards people that Jesus has purchased with his blood? God is building a kingdom. God is building a people. And it's a people from every tribe, every nation, and every language. One more, our government. Let's not fall into the trap of othering our leaders. 
The answer to our country's problems is not in politics. Our hope is not in the DA or the EFF or the IFP, the Freedom Front Plus or whatever other party you, you might pin your, pin your hopes on. Friends, it's in Christ, filling believers, infiltrating the world and changing our society. You know, running this country is a tough task, far harder than many of us care to, to appreciate when we, we sit on our armchairs and throw out our, our criticisms. I mean, I think COVID-19 has really thrown this into stark, uh, you know, into the light where, you know, everyone has an opinion about everything. Let's get behind our government. Let's get behind my government, my president. It doesn't matter what color are your underpants, whether you vote yellow, blue, or red. Let's pray for our leaders, as the Bible says. Let's bless them. Let's ask God for wisdom for them. Let's get behind them, Glenridge. I'm not saying we can't criticize, but we do it humbly and to build up, not break down. I praise God for what he did through the ANC and men like Nelson Mandela, which have given us an inheritance today. Let's not be blinded by our prejudice. So I hope I've shown you that diversity is central in our worship, also central to how we're living out our daily lives and our hearts, but it's also critical for our future. Maybe a better word is foundational for our future. A question that we all ask uh, ourselves on a regular basis is, what are the plans and purposes of God for my life? Now, there's no easy answer to that question because we're all different. He's placed a unique gift inside of each of us. And Revelation 4 and 5 really shows how we're all called to the same yet different things. The same because it's all about glorifying him. Holy, holy, worthy, worthy is our worship in heaven. But different because there are many ways that God is working this out through us. We can't all be Stan. We can't all be Greg. But you can be you. And only you can be you. And that is the gift that God wants to unleash to this world. I want to end by sharing something of my own little story. You know, I grew up in an amazing, amazingly godly family, and I grew up in this church. And by God's grace, at a really young age, I had a radical encounter with Jesus. You know, I was 13 or 14 years old. Um, and so I just wanted to be in church 24-7, prayer meetings, youth, just in church, just in his presence. And uh, I really owe so much to Glenridge Youth. I don't know if there are any young people out there. I just want to say, wow, just getting into a space where the people who, who would stand with me, who were my age, who, who were working through the same issues, really changed my life. Um, I, I, I owe so much to, to Glenridge Youth. So if you had asked my friends or my family as I was sort of in early university, you know, where I was headed, I think like 95% of them would have said I would have become a pastor or an elder or a church planter. Uh, and I think I would have said the same thing. But the amazing thing is that I've ended up on a, on a different trajectory. Today, I work for the Human Sciences Research Council uh, as an economist, trying to influence government and policy to make our country and our economy work better. It can be extremely challenging. The environment is secular uh, and, and can be downright godless. But I believe God has promoted and put me there. I, I could not be in this job, if, if, even if I wanted to be. It's 
been God's grace that has led me and put me in this, this position. And he wants to use me to display his kingdom, his mercy, his justice, and his peace. Now, you might be in a work situation that's a bit less exciting than my own. Maybe you just work in sales or telerep. But I want you to know that's not a mistake where God has got you today. And he's wanting to use you to be translating his story and reaching out to those around you. Do you know that even Jesus and his calling didn't end up looking like what his followers expected? They thought he had come to be a king of Israel. They were even ready to start a, a, a sort of violent political revolution for him. They had defined God's plan for Jesus in a, in a narrow way. And it was true. He would be king of Israel. But it was much more than that. God had always intended something larger, something greater, something more diverse. That Jesus would become the worthy lamb to take away the sin of the world. When, you, when we think about our own lives... Why do we expect it to be any different? Friends, what a privilege it is to worship in Glenridge. This is a worshiping community. But I hope this message has helped build your faith about what our diversity means in our worship. That when we sometimes sing in other languages and sing in other styles, uh, that it builds faith of who God has called us to be and where he's called us to go. We, have, we sing in other languages when we're foreshadowing what is to come in heaven. But I also hope that it spurs you on in your daily life. Friends, God wants to use me and he wants to use you to reach those around, of us, those around us. Every tribe, every language, every people, every nation. And only me and you can do that. Amen. So you wanted me to pray? Eh? I think so. I think that'd be good. And then we'll see what it looks like. And yeah. I think we'll do it. Mm. So when we do online services, I know that uh, it, it tends to roll. Uh, you hear the preach and then the TV goes off. Um, and, and I really want us to give space just for whatever I've said or whatever points in this message that where God might be speaking uh, to you, just to bring that truth um, into your heart. So I, I, I'm hoping I can, I can pray for you. Why don't you. Why don't you just close your eyes where you're sitting? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for just your, your grace. Lord. I just thank you that, we, that you are that lion with all authority in heaven and on earth. And you are the lamb, Lord, that just gave your all for me, that went to the cross, shed your blood. Lord, I thank you that your authority and your grace, Lord, guarantees your plans and your purposes for my life and for my brothers and sisters in this church. Lord, I know that you've called this church to have a huge impact in this world. And Lord, that means translating our gospel. It means singing in other languages. It means um, bringing the gifts, the fullness of the gifts that, that you've placed here. And so, Lord, I want to pray you would through this message, unlock those gifts, Lord. Unlock those gifts that you would release an army of worshipers, an army of people who are gathering um, the lost in to come and worship with us. Lord, all for you, starting with you, ending with you, for you, through you, because of you. And Lord, I know that your power and your grace is sufficient to do all of that. So thank you, Lord Jesus. And uh, Bless you. Thanks, everyone. I hope you have a great Sunday.
Amen.